Hi everyone, and welcome to the DevMar Debugged podcast, where experts from top companies all over the world share their insights on everything developer marketing. Today, we're joined by Katie Miller, Director of Developer Marketing at Slack. Uh, we're taking a look at how marketers can manage their career long term and what they can do to boost their chances for success in the future. So hi, Katie. Thanks for joining me. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Before we jump into the topic of today, I thought you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, your role at Slack. Sure thing. So uh, as as um as the introduction said, I am currently the director of developer marketing at Slack, which is now part of Salesforce. And in my role, I really like to think of it as leading the campaigns and programs that take the product capabilities and the enablement and builders and making sure that it gets to them in a thoughtful, targeted and measurable way so that they can do what they want to do and need to do with Slack's platform to build successful, powerful, effective integrations and applications. I've been in the developer marketing space now full time for well over a decade. If I count parts of my role when I was in ads product marketing and APIs were part of my portfolio, um, that developer marketing experience actually extends a little bit beyond the decade. But what I like to say really drives me in my work and my purpose, whether it be reflecting back on where I got my start, which was in dental school admissions or working as a life coach, working in the ad tech business, or now of course in developer programs, it's how may I build programs and experiences and content that connect people with the information that they need to make good decisions and be successful? Um, and that's and that's something that's really, really driven me through all of the different elements of my career and all of the different industries that I've worked in. So what made you choose specifically uh, developer marketing? What kind of attracts you in that industry of, you know, marketing to developers, which it's, I think from my, from what I've been, you know, talking to other people and that it's just a growing industry at the moment, but it's not something that is very well known. So I'm just curious uh, to hear your answer. That's a great question. And I'll, I'll, I'll take that in two parts. So what is it that drew me into developer marketing? So like I mentioned, uh, I was fortunate enough when I worked in ad tech product marketing to have APIs is part of my portfolio of products. And so really in that moment, had no choice but to learn about them. Uh, my area of focus was programs and products and features that enabled large advertisers and agencies. And APIs were one of those features that were available. And so that's really what introduced me to the developer relations function. It's what introduced me to developers as a target audience. Uh, fully aware developers aren't a monolith, but at least in aggregate developers as an audience. And if I reflect back even further to when I started in ads customer marketing, I was trained to learn all of the available products, which included the APIs. And so all of us that started in Google ads way, way back in the day, 
knew that extensibility was an option and an opportunity for all of our advertisers. So in many ways, developers as an audience and APIs and developer capabilities are something that have always been part of my tech career and my tech journey. And so what keeps me here now that now that I've I've discovered this space, uh, I truly believe in the value of developers and builders to a company's success. Uh, developers bring extensibility, um, everything from if you think about it, a company can build say 70 to 80% of a feature um, or features that are available developers really add on um, a lot of features and capabilities and integrations, um, which brings value to a company, brings value to the developers, brings value to the end users. Uh, and I like, you alluded to that, uh, you know, this is, this is a growing space, but you know, there's that stereotype that developers can't be marketed to. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that stereotype. And yet at the same time, there's something intellectually, professionally um, challenging about working with a target audience that has that historical stereotype of not liking to be marketed to. So it just makes it a really, really fun challenge. Um, and as you said, it's really a growing space that there's so there's no longer a retail industry or an entertainment industry. Every industry has a tech component and most products have a platform component. And so even if it isn't the full offering that a company provides, there's going to be a piece of an offering on the tech side that is for developers. And so even if it isn't someone's full-time role, they can't not think about developers as one of the key audiences that they're marketing to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because obviously tech is everywhere, but it's not something we think about it because it's so seamless in some places, but absolutely. Um, and that's really interesting. Thank you. Um, so you're surrounded by people in tech, you know, very connected to that space. Um, so I think it's important here to mention that uh, it appears that there are some uncertain times now as US-based companies are undergoing, you know, big layoffs, um, including intake and advertising. So um, what have you found to be the overall sentiment in the industry? How are um, people sort of reacting to what's going on? So full caveat, I am not an economist. And so uh, only can really express my own observations and opinions um, yes. from what I've seen and experienced. Uh, I, I like to say I'm an uh, armchair economist because I like to listen <laughs> to an economics podcast on the radio, but that's about the extent of it. Um, I think it's it's unusual times for every day that it feels like another round of reduction in force is announced. There are other companies posting that they're hiring. Um, and, and so it just seems like an, an unusual time. And, and, and yet at the same time, the other thing I've observed is how the strength of the, the community and rallying around one another, uh, which has been incredible, uh, really tapping into one another's networks 
being there to lift one another up. Everything from job boards, friends of a friends of a friend, making those connections. And so I think people really have one another's backs. I think there's a recognition of the amount of talent that's available um, and the amount of potential that's in this space. And it's just helping one another connect the dots to realize that potential. Yeah, and this really ties in with our topic of today, which is, you know, long-term career management. And, you know, regardless, for the reason of the layoffs, there's, as you said, some uh, opportunities in other companies. So this is like an important topic for people to think about, even if they've not been laid off. Um, so uh, would you say, though, that um, perhaps due to this situation right now, this is something that it is more relevant than ever that people should be thinking long-term about their careers? I, I would say yes and no. I think yes, in the sense that we've, we've seen full well that even for individuals who have years and years, and in some cases, decades of expertise within a particular product or at a particular company or brand, it hasn't necessarily kept them from being part of the reduction in force. And so it, it, so I do think that there is that sense of how can one think about their skills and experiences not tied to a particular product or a particular brand, but much more, much broader than that in a lot of ways. Um, what are those transferable skills um, that are agnostic of a particular company or organization. At the same time though, I actually think that that's a healthy exercise to maintain even in more bullish times because you don't know what's going to happen either, you know, a, a reorganization within your company, um, a reprioritization of products and business, or to be perfectly honest, new opportunities that could present themselves and needing to be open-minded and ready really at any time to see a new opportunity that might be available. So not just thinking glass half empty, but also thinking glass half full. Yeah, no, that makes, uh, that does make a lot of sense. And I like what you said as well about um, people now networking and kind of coming together and this is actually a big aspect of you know managing a career long term isn't it the um, idea of community so right now how is it fair to say that you know developer marketers and other marketers and other people professionals um they're not alone they do have a community so um how important do you think then that communities are for people who are looking to create this long-term plan and kind of prepare for the future Oh, it's, it is invaluable. And I think it's something that I took for granted early in my career. And now I'm seeing it come, come to the surface full force, if you will. And, and I think community can come in a number of different ways. It can be everything from having really positive, healthy collegial race relationships with, within your company uh, I, I reflect back on, um, uh, you know, the, the professional relationships I've maintained since leaving other jobs. And a lot of my community comes from 
groups that I formed with previous colleagues, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, it also can come much more formally through formally established communities, for example, what the Developer Marketing Alliance offers. Um, and I think especially for folks who are earlier in their career or perhaps are in smaller organizations, having those more formal communities is a really good first step because it takes away some of that angst around networking, that angst around asking someone questions or asking for help because that's built into the identity of the community. Uh, I, it, it might be hard to believe um, because I, I am an unabashed extrovert, um, but when I first started off in tech, the idea of networking felt so foreign to me and it was really, really scary. And so for folks who might feel the same way, being able to tap into local communities or even global virtual communities is a really good first start. Yeah, that's such a good point, actually. Um, you say that I'm, for example, I'm an introvert. So I would say that, you know, seeing nowadays how people are coming together as well over the internet, they kind of can um, make people a bit more used to communicating with others without having to, you know, faced with the daunting task of, you know, a crowd or trying to, you know, start a conversation in a, on an event or something like that. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I would also like to talk about uh, career goals, which is something we mentioned before uh, when we discussed this topic. Um, so many people perhaps haven't, you know, sat down and really thought about defining clear and achievable goals. Um, so why would you say that, you know, setting career goals is so important right now? How would that look like? Um, do people need to master what they're doing at the moment before looking you know beyond their role oh that is such a good question and if it's okay i'd love to take a short-term and a long-term answer to that absolutely thank you the 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 short-term piece is exactly what you just hit upon which is the importance of really performing to the best of their abilities within the job that they've been hired for and i know that that can sound tricky because a lot of times we might realize partway into an opportunity that it isn't quite the right fit. At the same time, though, whether it's internal transfers or external, there is a need to show capability and competency in the work that's been done. And so setting short term goals that aren't just about that are both about delivering to the expectations of the role and the level and the ladder and what the business expects of you, as well as those short-term professional and personal development goals. What are the things that I want and need to do in this moment to excel at my job? What are the things that I want and need to do at this moment to start to develop a new skill set that might allow me to pivot into something else that I'm looking for? or to stretch and expand within the job that I'm currently working in. So that's much more immediate, um, which is what do I need to do in this moment to set myself up for success, to deliver what my company expects of me? 
as well as to make sure that I'm growing as a professional and as a person. The long-term piece to me is much more interesting because, for example, when I started off in tech back in 2005, there was no Android. There was no iPhone. The cloud wasn't really a concept. We weren't talking about no low and pro code or crypto or anything like that. All of these emerging spaces, VR was something that happened in sci-fi movies. And so if I were to have set specific goals, the technology has evolved so quickly that they would have been out of the date by the time I arrived at them. And yeah. so the, the way I think about things longer term is really what's that broader narrative that one wants to tell? And, and I had reiterated mine at the beginning, which is that idea of building programs that connect people to the information they need to make good decisions and be successful. That is agnostic of company, that is agnostic of ladder, level, role, industry. It applied to work in dentistry, it applied to work in ad tech, it applies to work in developer programs. And so that's where, when I think about longer term, it's not necessarily, I want to be in this role with this level at this company by this stage in life. It's what are the values that really drive me? What are the things realistically I need economically? Am I the primary breadwinner? Do I need to be the primary carrier of insurance? Am I taking care of children? Am I taking care of elderly parents? What are the values I need in a company to be happy? And so when I think longer term, it's really challenging folks to be able to answer those questions. Like what's your one breath update that you would give to someone to describe what drives you? What are the three values you would say to a hiring manager that you're looking for in a job regardless of the organization or the company? What are the things that you pragmatically need in the short, medium, and long-term from employment? And, and that's how I think about longer-term goals. Yeah, that's, that really makes a lot of sense because uh, you know things come and go. As you said, just a few years ago, you wouldn't we weren't um, we weren't hearing about all these you know emerging tech, so just having an idea of values or an idea of you know which skills do I want to develop, um, it can be applied in so many other things. So, um, and I think that's another important topic. You know, upskilling um, is this something that uh, you think people should be looking at when they're planning? You know their career on a long-term basis, you know, either getting more experience or to become, you know, more indispensable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I take a really broad approach to the idea of upskilling because there are formal ways to do it for sure. Um, For example, a lot of the colleagues that I started with early in my tech career after three to five years, they went and they got uh, their MBA or they got a law degree. They went back to school formally as a way to make a shift or a pivot or growth within their professional careers. Uh, With the emergence of a lot of online education and certification programs, I've seen folks who have 
done those programs in parallel to working full-time either as a way to strengthen their ability within their current role or to set themselves up to be able to pivot. There's also a lot of learning that can be done through the day-to-day job that we may take for granted in the moment, but in hindsight, being able to reflect back. So for example, I didn't, I didn't get my MBA. I learned everything I am doing in tech from being in tech. And it's come from being open-minded, being curious. When I moved from ad tech into developer marketing, it was spending deep quality time with the developer relations team, listening and allowing them to refer me to publications to read to introduce me to the next person and the next person and the next person to have the conversation. And so ultimately there are a lot of different ways to upskill, which I think is absolutely critical. It shows the ability to learn, it shows curiosity, it shows flexibility, all of which are really, really good skills to have from an employment perspective. But I think that there are a lot of different ways to get to it depending on your schedule, depending on your flexibility, depending on your budget, depending on what you want to do. And so that's what I would really challenge people to do is to continue to learn, but to also recognize that the path to learning can take many, many different forms. Yeah, because uh, at least, you know, nowadays, there's, as you said, so many things you can do, but even just a few years ago, you wouldn't see perhaps, you know, so many companies offering certifications, as you just mentioned. Um, so is this, this seems like it's something, you know, modern that there's a lot of resources that people can tap into. So it might be just a question of knowing which resources are out there really, and be curious. Yeah, very much so. In some ways it's almost that, um, when you have that wealth of resources, knowing where to start, which ones are credible, which ones are going to have the the biggest impact. And so that in many ways can feel much more overwhelming than having finite choices for sure. But at the same time though, going back to the conversation about community, if you have strong community within your company, if you have strong community across companies, you also have great reference points there as well for folks and, and to be honest, bringing it back to developer marketing and developer programs with referrals and recommendations being such a key part of how developers make decisions, really think about how to tap into that for your own professional growth. What are programs folks have done that they found credible? What are their favorite blogs, podcasts, newsletters? Really leverage that community to uh, narrow in on what some of those great ways are to learn and keep growing. Yeah, that that is so good. That's such a good idea that you just said, I think, because sometimes it can feel like you're a little little bit of a silo. Like, what should I do? I don't know. And maybe I can Google something and try to figure out, but kind of going straight to the source and making use or making the most of that community just makes uh, a ton of sense. And I, I also believe that is something that people should be doing a lot more of. And yeah, the online communities certainly do make it easier. Uh, you can be talking to someone and, you know, just like us, you know, I'm in England, you're in the US and we could just be doing this, you know? So exactly. It's, yeah. 
it certainly uh certainly changed tech also changes the way we communicate so yeah oh very much so yes <laughs> yeah no that's great and uh, another thing i'd like as well to talk about um which i i found interesting um was that you know while we're trying to create this you know long-term career plan and it can be overwhelmed overwhelming and daunting and you don't know where what to do first what to focus on so um, I find it interesting that people can perhaps apply project management management principles and techniques to this long-term career management to make the process easier. Um, do you agree with this? Is this something you've seen done or? Absolutely. I, I actually, uh, when a, a former uh, colleague, unfortunately, was, was part of reduction in force, they, they put up this really beautiful post on LinkedIn about the approach that they were taking. And they actually applied the exact same annual goal setting approach that the company used to the way that they were managing their, um, the, the time that they were going to take to explore what their next opportunities were and how they were going to use their time. And, and so I, I do think using some of those same principles of how one would organize work can work really, really nicely with career. I also do think, and this is really tapping into my own experiences, somehow I find it much easier to be confident and focused and organized and decisive around my day-to-day -day job. And when it comes to asking some of those big existential questions about the future, it's much harder to tap into some of those skill sets. And so what I found is what's the additional scaffolding and structure that can provide me with structure, you know, structure and guidance and accountability. And over the years, I've actually found that tapping into professional coaches, life coaches, executive coaches is, has been the thing that's helped me much more confidently and in a, much more accountable way, tap into those project management skills to manage my career. That's really interesting. Do you find that it also makes you uh, more motivated and more um, kind of like focused on your future goals and what you need to do? Very much so, because it gets me out of my own head. Uh, I think simply verbalizing something saying it out loud, whether it's right, wrong, complete, unpolished, it makes it much more real. And by having that coaching relationship, and I, I recognize that that can take many forms in terms of paid, unpaid, more um, kind of course or workshop-based exercises versus more of a regular relationship, but you also have a partner in that journey and it's in many ways an agnostic partner. It's not someone who's tied to your work responsibilities or accountability. It's not someone who you're related to. And so needing to navigate that, that experience. Um, it's someone with whom you have a very close relationship, but not necessarily um, directly personal or professional. And so it, it means you're not alone. Um, and yet at the same time, like their job is really to listen and to give you the structure that you need to make those decisions. So perhaps it's 
not surprising that when I think about what drives me in my career, the thing that helps me be my best in my career is someone whose job it is, is to help people make good decisions and be successful. So perhaps that's why I'm such a big fan of coaching. <laughs> no, that sounds great. And we, we seem to come in, be coming back to that idea of, you know, not being alone and not, not needing to be alone. The sense of like community, which I find really interesting. It seems like it taps into every little thing really and it's so important what you said about getting out of your own head you can get so bogged down and stuff and especially it doesn't have to be you know because of a layoff but um I think especially for people who are in that situation it can be so difficult to kind of get out of that oh my god what next um so I think that's such an important thing that not a lot of people might consider so yeah thanks for that yeah, absolutely. And something that you said there, and I've seen these conversations coming up a lot in LinkedIn is not being afraid or ashamed to put out there that you're open to work, not being afraid to ask for help. It can feel really, really lonely right now. Um, and, and, and especially because there's so many people in the same situation of why would I be the one who should ask for help? And, and the truth is that we within the tech community want to see really good talent succeed. And so that, 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 that is the message that I, that I would put out is make yourself available on LinkedIn, um, follow folks that are doing work similar to what you want to do so you can see their referrals as they post them so that you can see the type of network that they have. Um, that, that's, that's what I'd really say. I know it's easier said than done, but I hope for anyone who's listening, who's feeling a little bit stuck, whether it's because of reduction in force or because they're just looking to make a change within their current job. I think we focused a lot about like the very immediate moment, which mm. makes sense because that's what a lot of folks are going through. But the truth is, these are things that even in the best of hiring and economic times are really important. Like folks who are like, okay, I've done this job for a couple of years. I'm ready for the next challenge. Or I went through a reorganization. I have a new manager. I'm not sure if this is the fit for me anymore. Um, I'm interested in something new. And so all of these principles really apply regardless of where you are, if you're thinking about how to make a change and to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say, yeah, I would agree with that because of course there's this unfortunate situation going on, but even without that, it can be so helpful to have a plan in place anyway, just for your own progression, your own career. And another principle I do find quite interesting Um is the idea of storytelling uh, and career, uh, long-term career management, which might not be something that kind of uh, comes to mind immediately. You know, you think of stories, but I think as well, it's important that um, if someone is planning on making a move or something like that, to have just similar to the idea of project management, to kind of have an idea of how to create this story of their strengths, their interests, their goals, just to help them on their journey. Is that something, is that fair to say that? I think it's absolutely fair to say. And also to have a couple of different ways to tell that story too. Uh, I think in a really competitive 
job market, being able to really distinguish and differentiate yourself, um, having a way to stand out uh, is, is so important with recruiters and hiring managers going through so many resumes and so many outreach moments. Um, what is the way to really, in a crystal clear, succinct manner, communicate who you are and what you're capable of? And, and I think that that takes two, three forms. Two, which I've already hit upon, um, which is have that one breath update, that story arc that you can tell that is unabashedly you and can apply to any job at any company, any ladder, any level, any function. The second is that really, really strong values story, which is these are the three things that are unarguable, that they need to be present. They might ebb and flow in volume, but if these things are not present, it's it's not going to be the right fit. And it's important to know that and communicate that because, I mean, hiring is as much about somebody wanting to hire you as it is you feeling like it's a good fit for where you are in your career, which is why values is as important as that story. And then I think the third is how you tell the more detailed story of your experiences, that it isn't purely that list of skills, but it's really how you use your skills to carry your story forward. So it isn't responsible for X, Y, Z. It's I drove X percent growth in community through exceptional project management skills. And so it's showing how you used your story, how you used your skills to be successful within your role. So it's those proof points. It's, you know, in many ways, I, I think about how I was taught to write essays where you have your leading sentence in a paragraph, and then you have the data points within that paragraph that prove that opening statement that you made right at the beginning of it. And so I actually think really tapping into some essay, essay writing principles can be a really, really nice way to think about it. And, and, and just to conclude on that, there'll be some companies that are looking for chameleons, that are looking for generalists, that are looking for somebody who can come into like a big, murky, messy scenario, and they'll see the transferability of skills. They'll see that, oh, this person did X, Y, Z we need them to do X, Y, Z, even if we're not calling it that. Mm. A lot of places now, they're going to look for someone who it's like a growth marketer does X. Has this person done X? A social media expert does X, Y, Z. Has this person done this? And so, and this is where I personally get super stubborn. Sometimes I'm like, I can do it all. But if that doesn't come through on LinkedIn, if that doesn't come through on a resume, if they're like, well, that's lovely, you can do everything, but I need someone who does this one thing, making sure that if there's a role that you really, really want and they position it a certain way, that you can pivot your story to tell it in that particular way, as long as it doesn't sacrifice your story and as long as it doesn't sacrifice your values. That is such a good tip. I And I can personally say that 
I have been through that, especially the last point you made. Um, I think when you start your career, you kind of think, oh, you know, I've done this, this, and this. You just bullet point stuff in your CV or, um, or on LinkedIn. Uh, but once you start putting, you know, your results, what did you actually achieve in a certain, in a different light? Um, it just makes a huge difference. You can see the people respond to it so much better. Like you can literally see that it is so important. And um, so, you know, we've been talking about community and upskilling and goals and, you know, creating a story, all of this. And is there anything else that you think it's important for, you know, develop marketers and even other professionals to know um, if they want to plan their career for the long term? Oh, that's a good question. Kind of a closing thought. Mm. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I really. I really encourage folks to remain curious, to remain open-minded, to remain learners, and to really see the connections and opportunities. And it goes back to the point that I made that when I started my tech career in 2005, the vast majority of the technology I am currently using and marketing did not exist. Yeah. And so having that growth mindset will really set one up for success because it allows them to be open to possibilities that they may have been closed off to because it didn't necessarily look a certain way. And, and again, Doing that while staying true to the story, staying true to the values. But, you know, I, I didn't have this concept when I started my career of what program management was or developer relations. And yet, when I look back at it, I can't now imagine a better fit for what I want to be doing within tech. But if I hadn't been open to seeing those parallels between what drives me and my passion and what this industry offered, I never would have seen that as a pivot in my career when I had been in ad tech for seven or eight years and was looking to challenge myself in a new way. And so that's really what I would leave folks with um, is really think about what are those broad transferable skills that you bring to the table and be open and curious about how you can use them in new ways, especially as the, the hiring marketplace evolves. Yeah, thank you so much for that. That's so, such important, um, such an important closing statement, I would say. And I completely agree with all that. And thank you so much for, you know, all your amazing insights and for joining me today. And I'm sure people will have, will take a lot uh, from uh, what you had to say. So. Oh, well, thank you. It was such a privilege to have the chance to speak with you and to contribute to the Developer Marketing Alliance. Um, I think it's a really extraordinary global community for developer marketing professionals. Um, and, and I know we talked a lot about communities, so I hope folks continue to be present, to really engage with the materials and really engage with one another within this community. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of DevMar Debugged. If you want to hear more from professionals in the developer marketing world, subscribe to our podcast for more expert talks. See you on the next one.